Welcome to Management Matters, a National Academy of Public Administration podcast where policy meets practice. I'm Terry Gurton, president of the Academy. As we enter the month of December, many organizations give their supporters an opportunity to make charitable contributions that provide the financial resources to sustain critical operations. Today, I'll be talking with Academy Fellow Stephen Hamill, the chair of our development committee, about the importance of those kinds of contributions to the mission of the Academy. Steve, thanks so much for joining me today. Happy to be here, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, I know um, you're a busy guy. You lead the public purchasing exchange and you were elected as a fellow in 2019. So before we dig into charitable giving, I'd like to just kind of go back to that time and find out what most interested you about Napa when you were nominated. Yeah, from my standpoint, um, it was about how I spent my career and how that aligned with Napa. You know, my career has been dedicated both within government and in the private sector to more effective government and the public benefits that is derived from that. Uh, I viewed Napa as being uniquely situated as a catalyst for change and positive improvement in government operations and the resulting increase in public benefit. Um, If you look at the times we're in right now, um, fast forwarding a little bit to when I became a fellow in 2019, Amid all of the challenges that we're facing today, uh, government challenges, uh, partisanship, uh, democracy threats, um, conspiracies over facts, inequality, extremism, you look at Napa and it really is a nonpartisan, nonprofit, and congressionally chartered beacon of hope and objectivity. So all of my expectation in terms of when I initially um, was nominated for Napa and my excitement about it has only increased over time because of where we are and how unique Napa is to the overall perpetuation of democracy, equality, and all of those issues that we we talk about regularly. Well, you really touched on some important um challenges that we all face. And I really appreciate that you highlighted the role of public administrators in bringing solutions to those. What did you most hope to get involved in once you became a member? I have a a strong background in public-private partnerships and intergovernmental relations. And again, my career has been spent in, in those venues. And those were the areas that that most interested me as I move through. Uh, it's Napa has also been an opportunity to open up my eyes to other other areas of challenge. Um, one of the great things that was accomplished uh, for the last few years is the grand public challenges. Uh, just what an opportunity to get engaged and really make a difference uh, in how government operates and how public benefit is perceived and received out there. Well, we certainly think we're making a, a difference as as we move through that agenda. And and you jumped right in as a member. And 
you've taken on a very critical leadership role as the chair of the Academy's Development Committee. Now, I know you've been involved with development committees at far larger organizations, and a lot of people wouldn't want to touch development with a 10-foot pole, if I can borrow that analogy. So why would you be willing to take that role on again? And tell us what you hope to accomplish um, through that committee yeah, and through very, the development very efforts. Very good questions, right? Right on point. Uh, I think it goes back to a very early conversation that you and I had, Terry, and it was we're getting into some new territory here. Uh, development is a new area for Napa, um, which is exciting to me because, as you mentioned, I've been engaged with large higher ed, um, primary ed, secondary ed um, committees on development, and all of those were mature programs. So what Napa represented was an opportunity and a challenge. It's the opportunity to take my knowledge and skill and contribute it back to Napa, um, who I believe in deeply, and take on a challenge, which was, this is a startup, let's make no mistake. Uh, this is not something with a lot of history. So it's taking something from concept to implementation to operation, and that that was an exciting challenge. So that that really um, was why I got involved. And uh, all your words are true. Even if we raised only one dollar, it's way up because we hadn't raised any dollars before. So here we are, and it's it's been fun and it's been exciting. It's been a good journey so far. What I want to accomplish. Well, it's it's teaming, it's partnering with the board of Napa, the development committee, and the staff, uh, all very talented and wonderful people. Um, first of all, to establish a culture of giving within the academy. Um, and if we can establish that culture of giving, that leads to a new revenue stream for Napa. And if we can create a new revenue stream, that leads to sustainability of Napa's mission. And so those are the three general broad categories of, of what I saw or I perceived when I took on this role. Well, you're obviously a startup pro from your own private sector perspective. And so I really appreciate that you've brought that kind of startup mentality to this project because I think a lot of people don't know that the Academy is actually a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're not a government agency. We don't get funded by government appropriations. And so this idea of individual financial contributions that support the work of the Academy is really crucial to us. And, you know, as I just said, you brought that kind of startup mentality to help us build this capacity but you've also personally been a significant donor to the Academy in this process. So why do you choose to give your personal philanthropy back to this organization? You know, another great question and sort of puts me on the spot. Um, but <laughs> it, it, uh, it really goes back to my belief, my personal belief in the mission of Napa. And what Napa is 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 all about, uh, as we discussed earlier, Napa is uniquely situated to make a difference. It's nonpartisan. It's nonprofit. It's congressionally chartered. Uh, characteristics that no other organization that I can think of has. <laughs> Very unique in that that way. 
And, and finally, it's an opportunity to give back and sustain the mission into the future. And so I think that's also very instructive about what others have to believe and have to perceive in order to, to contribute to, to Napa in the long term. Well, I love that. And I know that you've been really targeted with the Academy in your focus areas as a fellow, a volunteer, a donor, an investor. Which of the recent outcomes or Academy programs that you've been associated with in this way really bring you the most pride? What do you you get really jazzed about on the uh, agenda that you've been engaged with? Well, again, I... There's so many to choose from, really, the opportunities that Napa presents. But I guess one that stands out in my mind is just uh, the opportunity to engage with a very highly uh, qualified and talented working group to start addressing the challenges and of intergovernmental relations and try and outline maybe a, a, a path forward for improving intergovernmental relations. Um, that, in turn, resulted in establishing the Center for Intergovernmental Partnerships. Um, so that that chain reaction event, the working group working through some of those, leading to that outcome of the Center for Intergovernmental Partnerships, um, has has really been a rewarding and and fulfilling um, effort for me. Um, I, I think you know better than anybody, Terry, and we've spent a lot of time at the Academy looking at this, but the pandemic highlighted uh, the shortcomings and the breakdowns in that intergovernmental system. Um, And the center was so needed uh, as a way to start overcoming some of the silos effectively in public-private partnerships and really get to that that universal goal that we all have of more effective government operations. And without the intergovernmental process working, government itself doesn't work. Well, Steve, you were so instrumental both in shaping the concept for the CIP, but also bringing funders to the table that allowed us to make that vision a reality. And now, as you look back, the center just celebrated its one-year anniversary, it's publishing papers, it's got a blog site, it's convening um, experts around really important topics in the intergovernmental space. And so, you know, that vision that you and a few other folks had to, to create this capacity is now having an impact. And it's really thanks to your contributions and the funders that you brought to the table to help us make that vision reality. So I'm hugely grateful and equally excited about the CIP and the impact that it's supposed to have in the public administration space. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, you've got a, a wonderful staff that you pulled together. And I think it was just exciting to watch them go that first year. And and uh, it was kind of like kids in a candy store. I mean, they were looking around at everything and probably overextended, but I think that's part of the process is really just finding out what avenues will bear fruit. And we always used to say, and in our business, we never knew whether we were entering the on-ramp to a freeway or a dead end, but you (laughs) never know until you take the journey down the road. And so I I think that's where we are with the CIP. And I think it's, um, I'm just excited about the future. Well, let's 
follow that rabbit a little bit farther, because as, as you and I have already discussed, the Academy's efforts support all levels of government, federal, state, county, local, tribal, territorial. So what's your personal vision of how the Academy can further advance its mission while it works with government and community leaders? Yeah, great question. Something I've thought about and going back to my startup background and and where we have to go, the building blocks of success here. And and I think the Academy has done so many things right and put together uh, some great um, paths, if you will, or vehicles for moving forward. And so if you look at the grand public challenges, you look at the Center for Agile Government and the Center for Intergovernmental Partnerships, you begin to identify those challenges and areas that need more analysis and more work to kind of uh, fetter out exactly which of those cross over to all levels of government. And of course, all of us can probably pull three or four of them right out of the air. It's a, it's homelessness, it's climate change, uh, it's pandemics <laughs> for, for that matter, it's disasters. All of us are impacted, all levels of government are impacted by that. But I think the next stage of the challenge, once you begin that, that that first analytical stage is, how do you integrate our work with the work of others out there or partner with others who may already be addressing this in one form or another? Um, and I think that's, a, that's really the next step for to integrate the NAPA work with teams of government associations, agencies, educational institutions, those that have some experience, and as you mentioned, be a convener. You know, start pulling those together and come up with um, what I would call, I always said this in business, and, you know, we, we're nothing until we have a proof of concept. Once we have a proof of concept that actually works, then you have something that people can identify with and actually adopt and if it works right, adopt it in a very positive way. And so I think one of the challenges, and you've talked about this before, is how we balance the theory here, which is a very necessary foundation for all of this, with a practitioner. I, I, I probably come from that world of, of practitioner um, and, and maybe to a fault, but I do recognize and respect the theoretical that needs to go into this process to make it all work together. So if I work on the back end of this, it's really taking that, that leveraging what's already been created, that integration that we're talking about, and then really developing, working with models in a city. Um, I know you're working with one on a financial model within uh, cities right now. I love that as an example, because it's a model that if it's adopted, can pay a lot of dividends to all levels of government. And so it's really getting more engaged with those models and coming up with proofs of concept and then making that available to all government agencies to adopt if it makes sense for them to do so. Um, one of the things in, in my background is we had a, a voluntary program of, of uh, cooperative purchasing. And all we had to do was really work work with three or four large government agencies, get them to adopt the program, demonstrate that the benefits worked, and over, not overnight. I, I always like to say it was a 30-year overnight success, but <laughs> we had 60,000 
public agencies out of the 90 who are using one or more of the contracts in that program. And I think that speaks to, it starts with that first step and that first proof of concept. And that type of adoption can occur if you've got the right theory, the right analysis, and the right model that's proven it out uh, for adoption. And that can have a huge long-term impact for government generally. I love that. And you touched again on a couple of things that make us unique, not only the experienced practitioners like you as fellows, but a large cohort of really expert academicians and researchers in the field of public administration that that enable us in a very unique way to bring practitioners and research and theory together to develop those kinds of pilot projects and proof of concepts. And we have some really exciting ones on the agenda for the coming year um, around a local community resilience capacity, around redesigning social services delivery models, um, really trying to solve very specific and very impactful challenges that our governments at all levels are facing. Um, So uh, you're exactly right. That is the next step as we move through uh, really getting people to adopt the grand challenges and think about not just are, are they good ideas, but how do you practically implement them? So I, I love your vision, and I think you're right in line. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, I, I guess the analogy is, um, you know, cancer treatments are best if you get them out of the lab into people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to get them into the lab and to prove them out, you've got to have a lot of theory and a lot of research before you take that step. And I think we're on the verge of that. I mean, I think we've got a tremendous foundation of theory and research. Um, that can go to the next level and really benefit governments at large. You know, if you if you look at some of the studies that we do, they're very focused on an agency as a particular problem. And what's exciting about that is then taking that particular instance and saying, okay, is there a general application here that can benefit other departments within the federal government? or other agencies, state, local, tribal, whatever it might be. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that next adventure. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to invite our listeners to join us in that adventure. (laughs) Um, And as I said in the intro to this, you know, December is the time when charitable giving please outnumber Christmas catalogs in your mailbox. So for our listeners who are who have lots of organizations who make compelling cases for their financial support, why would you encourage them to consider the Academy as a, as a, a target of their personal philanthropy? You know, it goes back to the core principles we talked about. It's first of all, having them understand who NAPA is and understanding that nonpartisan, you know, nonprofit congressionally, chartered beacon of hope and objectivity it's communicating that message and i guess what that leads to is um what what napa has done to date and what you've done to date are created the grand public challenges these centers for agile government the center for intergovernmental partnerships 
and understanding the progress and success because everybody wants to invest in a winner and you're winning. You're winning with creating these opportunities for government improvement. And I think those are critical steps um, for them, the, the, the public at large, if you will, the, the market, if you will, for a contribution to Napa, uh, very critical. Then it brings us to our job, the development committee and what we're working with, with the board and, and the staff. And, and, and our job is really to inspire that belief in the mission. And I think if you, if you look at concentric circles and you, you, you go out, where do we overlap with certain people? We won't overlap with everyone, but we will overlap with people that are focused on improving government, that believe in the mission, and we have a great opportunity to, to, to get contributions from those. So we wanna make sure they understand that this is an opportunity for them to contribute to a successful organization that has an inspiring mission and has successes. Um, and then the last thing, and you mentioned it, it's this theory of abundance. And abundance says that there's a lot of opportunity. There's unlimited opportunities. Um, in competition and business, sometimes we get very myopic and we say, oh, there's only a limited market. I've always said that my focus would be on expanding the market, not dealing with it as it currently is. So if we can expand our market simply by publicizing our mission and our accomplishments and where we are and where we're headed, the next thing we do is say, we do not preclude anyone from giving to any other organization because there's a theory of abundance here. And we know there are a lot of good causes out here, but we believe we have one that you should consider seriously because of who we are and why we do what we do. So in essence, um, that's really, I think, why someone would contribute to Napa and our job in expanding that market to make sure we have those folks who are willing when you speak of inspiration, I mean, I get the I get the privilege of leading the academy every day, but the academy's vision for a just, fair, and inclusive government that strengthens communities and protects democracy is what I wake up every morning going, yes, let's do that with our great team of folks who are just equally committed to making government work in this way. So if you and I have been successful in our conversation today, we've hopefully inspired some listeners who actually want to make a donation. How can they actually make a contribution towards Napa and that vision and mission? Yeah, great. And I I, I love um, the compelling mission statement that you just laid out. I think it's it's exactly who we want to be and where we want to go. I've been reading a book recently. It's kind of a, it's been around a while, but it's first start with why. And they say successful organizations always start with why. And they used, they used Apple as, a, as an example where they said, we want to empower individuals with computing power. And you think about that and you go, why? that's an interesting why, because they make all kinds of widgets. You know, why would they focus on that? And it was the inspiration and it was, we wanna empower individuals to be more productive. That's what they were saying. 
And oh, our vehicle is we create devices, you know, that they can use. But this is really the why. And I think you really hit a really compelling why and, and, and inspiring people towards a gift. But let's get down to the pragmatic part of this, which is how can we get our listeners and others that we come in contact involved? I would say it's three things, engagement, networking, and giving. And notice I put giving last, <laughs> but the other two lead to that. So let's talk about engagement. We need good people, talented people, and they don't have to have a lot of experience, but they have to believe in Napa's mission. We'd like to engage them and have them join the development committee. Um, the development committee is again, highly talented group. We have a highly talented staff support group that we're working with. And right now, talk about kids in a candy store, we see a lot of opportunity <laughs> and it's just a matter of slowing down enough to, to take each of those opportunities and move forward. Let's talk about networking. Let's talk about expanding that market for Napa. You've got us, you've got us public administrators, there's practitioners and theoreticians and, and we're all in, you know, we're engaged. Who else can we get involved? Well, others that are inspired by government who believe government can be improved and provide greater public benefit. And there's a lot of foundations, there's a lot of individuals out there and corporations who do focus their giving and are engaged on a basis with government and believe in it. So the networking is, if you're listening here, or if you're a Napa fellow, and you know of any individuals, foundations, corporations, other organizations that have alignment with our mission and where we're headed, let us know. Uh, simply sending an email, I think we're coming up with a form that you can actually fill out and send in. It's going to be online. Um, and I think that's a, a tremendous way to expand the market. Uh, third is giving. Um, and, and maybe everybody thinks I had to start there, but I think it's where we want to end up um, after we go through the engagement and the networking. And that is make an annual gift. I remember when I started out, I graduated from law school and and uh, I felt so great about that. I so, felt so great about the experience. We had no money at all uh, when I graduated. Most was spent going to law school. Um, so my wife and I decided we're going to do $5 a year. $5 a year. That's all we could afford at that time. Well, you know, now fast forward some almost 50 years later, and as my capacity has increased over time, um, the gifts uh, to that institution have increased over time. And everybody laughs when I say I started out at $5, but that's what we Bloomberg. really wanted. <laughs> no, yeah, nobody, nobody is, nobody is asking for anything beyond what your means are, or you right. feel comfortable with, that aligns with your belief in this organization. And then, um, if you have the capacity, we'd love to have a conversation about our major gift, and I think we've pegged that at twenty-five thousand um, dollars. But it, if you want to contribute in a larger way and you have the capacity, we'd love to have that conversation about providing a major gift. And finally, um, using um, John Koskinen as a great example, there's an opportunity um, if you have an estate with a capacity and you want to give a planned gift as a legacy gift to uh, Napa, we're putting those um, 
steps in place where we can make that happen. So it's just a consideration of that planned gift. But again, with the theory of abundance, we're not suggesting that Napa be your only gift or cause or contribution, but we would like to be in the conversation if you align with our police system and our, our mission. Well, Steve, I thank you for making that so practical. And I want to let our listeners know that they can uh, visit us on at napawash.org. There's an easy donate button, but there's also a contact form if if you'd like to be in touch with us at the Academy uh, for a follow-up conversation, if anything today has tickled your ear. So Steve, again, I just want to thank you for taking on such an important mission for the success you've already helped us generate and for your commitment to helping Napa be um, as successful and impactful as it possibly can be through development. So thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Terry. And I, I keep trying to get that balance. Am I getting more than I'm giving? And um, that that's an interesting question with that because you certainly do get a lot from the organization. And I want to try and at least equal that with the giving. So thank you for the opportunity to share more about development and, and this opportunity we have moving forward. Happy holidays, Terry. Thank you so much, Steve. You too. For our listeners, check back every Monday for a new episode from the Academy as we work to build a just, fair, and inclusive government that strengthens communities and protects democracy.